1: there, you're listening to Steve Bloomer's Washing, the independent voice of Derby County. Thank you so much for joining us. Now, there may be some uh, big tournament going on in the Middle East at the moment, but the League One juggernaut waits for no man and uh, the Rams domestic campaign continues during the World Cup. Uh, Eight unbeaten in all competitions now. Thank you very much. Plenty of goals and uh, some renewed optimism ahead of a mixed bag of fixtures to see out 2022. Uh, I'm Chris Parsons, how are you doing? Richard Cutch is here as well. How are you, mate?
2: Yeah, very good. Yeah, b- bizarre time of year, isn't it? We're so talking about Derby and World Cup and football. It's all very it's odd. It's very uh, surreal. Very yeah.
1: How much football have you what managed to watch in the past week? How many hours have you put in?
2: Yeah, quite a bit. I, I basically got I work from home and so I've got I've kind of got the T V on in the corner and I kind of peek over and if it's a particularly good game I find myself actually sitting on the sofa with my laptop on my lap. Um, so yeah, I've I've kind of seen at least a pit, I think, of every single game. And I've probably, I've probably only watched a handful of full games. But yeah, it's been pretty decent football.
1: The four games in a day, it is—it's a lot, isn't it? It's, that's a lot of football in 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 a, in, a, yeah. in the waking hours of the day.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. It's a ten a.m. start and last game finishing at what nine p.m. Is, is is a long day of football. But yeah, someone's got to watch it. So we'll, we'll yeah, do that. I mean
1: it's on. So why not watch it? Uh, Tom Martin's here as well. Um, the the geopolitics aside mate what's been your um? what's been your highlight from the actual football at the World Cup
0: uh, I thoroughly enjoy, enjoyed today actually with the uh, cacophony of goals in the early kickoffs uh, the most goals scored by African sides on one day which is six uh, I thought the games today were brilliant if they weren't uh, totally high in quality uh, I've also enjoyed Kylian Mbappe being a bit of a beast uh, it's one of those things where you hear about him like being like, this outstanding player and then PSG might get knocked out in the Champions League you see him every now and then like do some good stuff but I don't I don't tend to watch the French League if I'm honest um, and I think he's been been excellent in the two games so um, yeah there's been lots of lots of good stuff lots of good goals um, and quite a few upsets as well um, and a, a disappointment I would say is Japan losing uh, to Costa Rica which uh, if they'd have won that they'd have knocked the Germans out which could have been quite amusing for us
2: I'll just add there as well actually in terms of my highlight although you know as I say we'll put aside kind of the geopolitics and the controversy around it being held in Qatar what's been really refreshing actually is to see the Arab Arab world really embrace, embrace the World Cup and see some great results from iran against wales and and saudi arabia against argentina I, th- I thought that was fantastic it was kind of like when south africa hosted the world cup and, and you could feel like the whole continent was behind all the different african teams in that tournament i think ghana were the ones that went on and did something decent then and it just feels like we've kind of brought a whole new region to the to world game it sounds a bit cheesy but i th- thought the atmosphere and seeing a different type of football fan has actually been really fascinating
1: yeah it's been great and um on a, on, a, you know, on a personal level, I know you uh, minded the shop for me on the last pod. Thanks for doing that, Kutch. As I've miraculously managed to uh, plan my maternity leave to exactly coincide <laughs> with the start of the World <laughs> Cup, which was accidental. I promise. <laughs> so
2: full report then from you.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. So I've uh, I've welcomed another little one into the Parsons family, which is uh, which is great news for all concerned. Little Rowan, Hooray. which is great. But yeah, on the plus side. It obviously means that I've just had loads of time to watch literally every single game, which has been great. But on the downside, I haven't quite been able to stay awake long enough to watch all of it. And I think there were some of the there were a few nil nil snooze fests in the in like the first week, weren't there in the groups? And I did literally fall asleep during some of them in, at about four o'clock because you know that's, as Tom will tell you, your body clock gets flipped a bit upside down in those uh, those early weeks. But it's been all good, I think for. Yeah, for me, like highlights wise, it's it's been a great tournament of upsets, hasn't it? Like a few a, f- a few great shocks early on, like Japan beating Germany and Saudi Arabia beating Argentina and Morocco beating Belgium. But like to to extend on what you said there, Tom. Like I think when you watch the World Cup, you just you always want to see like the big names do the business for their countries. And like I'd never really seen Messi do it for Argentina. In you know it, it, on the tournament stage, I know you think he finally won the Copper America from a few years ago, didn't it, or quite recently? But that was a great World Cup moment, I thought, when he when he banged in the winner or the second goal or one of the goals against against Mexico. that, that was a, a quality moment, and also a low key highlight for me is that Christian Bellick hasn't yet got injured, so. um On a personal (laughs) level, that's got to be a plus, hasn't it, right? Uh,
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Messi, you can tell you've got baby brain, Chris, and I can totally understand that one. Uh, Yeah, the first goal for Argentina against Mexico was absolutely outstanding. And I just think like some of the some of the big players, even Ronaldo, he, he scored some, scored some good goals. He scored again tonight as well, uh, or debatably scored again tonight, whether he not got the touch on that first one. And it's um it's just been a really good tournament. And I think you have to you have to raise that awareness about the human rights issues. And there's uh, been a few comments which I think are a bit unsavory from the head of the World Cup in Qatar, um, who I think is a Qatari national, who said that it's bad that the One Love armband is divisive. It's not divisive. It's it's actually trying to bring people together. And anyone who opposes that, I think, is divisive. But that's that's sort of the political. Side which we're not really focused on, as you say. And the football, the football's been great. And I've got a couple of mates who are out there uh, in Qatar, and they're having a really, really good old time. So um, yeah, fair play to them. And they've also taken on the Japanese spirit of uh, clearing up after themselves, uh, and they've been picking up bottles and glasses and stuff like that which have been left on the concourse. So nice to see a few England fans getting involved in that good-natured spirit.
1: Well, uh, hours before uh, Germany v Spain in Qatar on Sunday, of course, there was another titanic tussle between two teams from different nations in another historic competition. I think, Kutch, that's probably my most tenuous link I've ever pulled off on this podcast. But anyway, it saw Derby County uh, put themselves in the hat for the FA Cup third round of a hard-fought win at Newport County over in Wales, thanks to an 88th minute winner from David McGoldrick. Kutch Paul Warren described the first half from Derby as disgusting. Uh, which is quite a um quite a colorful adjective to use but uh we've got to admit it ended up being one of our most probably contrasting performances under the new manager in the second
2: half didn't it overall yeah real chalk and cheese games when one those game of two halves all those cliches the first half was disgusting but you know going back to what you're saying about snooze fests Chris in the World Cup that I found the first half of the Derby versus Newport game a bit of a snooze fest I think you even commented on the discord that you, <laughs> you were struggling a little bit to keep keep your eyes open in that game it was only really their goal that kind of woke me up from kind of drifted off while I was while I was watching it yeah the first half was just a non-event from Derby's side it was we were standoffish when we did have the ball we moved it too slow but we often didn't have the ball and they kind of just outran and out were out physical and we couldn't really spring two or three passes together ourselves and to be honest I thought Newport were good value for their goal Yeah, at the end of the first half I thought Derby were caught napping from a set piece so that Cashin was caught underneath it and the ball coming in I don't think there was anyone to blame there I think someone said it was Rooney's man uh, I might be wrong about that so yeah it wasn't particularly convincing I'm not sure Starting with a, a three at the back or a five at the back against Newport is is really probably the way to have gone. I think he obviously got that wrong and corrected it. You know, in the second half went to four four two and. And we just looked a completely different team and we actually managed to get our good football players on the ball and and Newport ultimately couldn't live with them. So, yeah, I guess it was a good positive way to finish the game uh, and to finish this really strange month of away games and cup games. It feels like we haven't played in the league for ages. Um, So, yeah, I think we're still unbeaten for quite a while now and go into a really good string of five uh, league fixtures in this month with a a few full weeks in between games as well, which which we welcomed
0: yeah I agree with you. your summing up there And I think you've um, you've sort of analysed that quite quite sort of nicely we haven't lost since we lost against Ipswich which is well over a month ago if you discount the uh, penalty uh, shootout uh, defeat against Liverpool and I think that's a real sort of like coming together of this squad and you're starting to see some things like click together um, yes Warren made a, a, an error perhaps in the, the set up for the first half and I think Newport without really doing too much probably were deserved, deserving of their lead but neither side had really had too many chances in that, that first half but the second half the Derby responded uh, it was fantastic creating chance after chance and we could have had three or four I think in the end I, I think McGoldrick blocked off the line from Howahan uh, I still haven't seen whether that was going actually going in Dobbin got f- through a couple of times uh, and again late on in, in the last minute thought Barkhausen was really lively as well coming in off that left flank um, and had a couple of chances too so I thought we were creating stuff which is good in that second half um, and it just needs to we need to piece that together over 90 minutes against one of the top teams in League One and I think we'll, we'll give a few teams a good hiding in the ne- rest of the season
2: yeah I think we'll probably talk more generally about the team in the second half but I thought Barkhausen was a was a real real plus actually coming back from injury and he had an impact as well away at Pompey on, on the Friday before uh, so it's really good with the final Manders Lang out currently I think it's really good to see Barkhausen back in the mix and I'm sure he'll be pushing for a start on Saturday against Sheppard Wednesday because he's, he's had an impact twice now off the bench and they think they have probably be able to ease and back in maybe and given that time so yeah he, he just seemed to bring on a little bit more quality to the team against Newport in that second half which we obviously crying out for so it's good to i think we're slowly starting to see bodies come back you know jason knight was on the bench um paul war mentioned in the post-match interview that i think mendez lang curtis davis and hayden roberts are all close who so could be in contention for the weekend so squad starting to look a bit a bit more healthy and i just checked that, that that unbeaten run tom you said from the kind of october yeah nine games unbeaten lots of draws in there but nine games unbeaten is definitely something to build on
1: Yes, yeah, it's, it's positive, really, that I guess we're still scoring goals and delivering without Mendes Lang, who I think was scheduled for like three to five weeks out, wasn't he? So if he does come in mm-hmm. at three to four, that's you know that's that, that's a bonus, especially against if he does manage to feature against Sheffield Wednesday. But if he could have chosen how that equaliser would have come against Newport, Tom, like Louis Sibley cutting in and banging one in on his right foot, isn't really what any smart person would have put the money on, is it? But you got to give him credit. You've got to give credit to Sibo because it was a really tasty finish and not really the sort of goal we've ever seen him score before.
0: No, I thought he uh, he played really well in that second half, and it just would love a bit of consistency from him. But um, it shows the quality that he's got. He sort of sort of drifts past a couple of players out on the left hand side, and they're almost like, oh, it's not too it's not too dangerous. And I think two players sort of leave him, and then the centre back comes to half close him down, and he's just got a bit of space and he curls it in nicely. Um, it's not a lot of pace on the shot, but I think the Newport will be dif- disappointed defensively. But simply. He has to beat, as I say, two two players out on the left hand side and then uh then curls it past the defender. It's a really good strike and a, a nice bit of technique. And um yeah, that's really pleasing to see that he's starting to settle into that sort of left wing, left wing back role um a little bit more than he was because um, I think he was a bit anonymous in a few games previously. But um yeah, really positive second half for him.
1: He doesn't score ordinary goals, does he, Kutch? I'm trying to think of the goals that Louis Sibley has scored. I mean, the thing we've always said about him is that he's been this great promising player and that he needs to add goals to his game and needs to chip in goals and assists. And I feel like he's done that a bit more this season, but he, he's still firmly in the category of not scoring very often, But when he does, they're generally worth waiting for, aren't they?
2: Yeah, I'm trying to think. I think you're right, Chris. I can't think of any Louis Sibley tap-ins or headers at the back post or bundling it over the line. Yeah, well-hit strikes Yeah, and often quite important goals as well. So yeah, he has got quality. We've always known that. It's just a consistency, as Tom touched upon there. He's just not consistent enough, which is why I think he's kind of ended up never holding down one role in the team like he'll get the odd run out at number 10 but normally he'll be out wide he's played a couple of games this season in the middle of the park where he's he's actually looked okay I think it was away at Accrington he played particularly well in the middle of the park might might be one of the other northwest uh, away games I often get mixed up between but he's played left wing back and left back now a few times in the last few weeks and to have mixed results, I thought Pompey. I think it was first half against Pompey. I was particularly unimpressed with with his his um, his performance, and he still has moments in that position. But his passing, just not. He doesn't use the ball when he's deeper. He doesn't use the ball well enough. I don't think to really trust him in that position. But. The impact he had from the left-hand side on, on Sunday was you couldn't really deny it. With the goal and with the assist, it was a great ball in. And we know that Paul Wan wants people who are out wide to put really good first-time balls in. And for that winner from a goldrick he couldn't have put a better ball in.
1: You could probably say, Tom,
2: that you
1: could sense, I think, that the winner was coming. I mean, Derby had a couple of hairy moments towards the end against Newport. And I think there was, there was one where a, a ball across the box went astray and, and Wildsmith had to pull off a terrific one-handed save coming off his line quickly. But when it did come... And I'm going to paraphrase a friend of the pod here, Jamie Page from Derby Retweets, who said that there's nothing better when it comes to a, a, fo- a sound at a football than the sound of a ball connecting with a big, bald head. And uh, <laughs> yeah. in this case, it was the big, bald head of David McGoldrick at the back stick. How good is that header? Because it's not your classic towering header, is it? He has to do really well to adjust his body and, and just guide it and use the strength of the cross to just like, used the momentum to carry it past the goalkeeper.
0: Yeah, as a, as a forward, you sort of love those balls because it's just curling slightly away from the, the goalkeeper and the and the defender, so it's coming onto you as you're attacking it and it's a really nice cross, a really juicy cross from Sibley with his uh, left foot and as McGold leaps into the air, you sort of see there's uh, eyes light up with it and he absolutely powers the header uh, past the goalkeeper because it's so powerful he doesn't actually have to get it into the corner like you, you'd you think that you'd need to get it into the into the bottom or the top corner from there, but um, actually it's so powerful and he hits it he meets it so well perfectly timed leap uh, and he showed all his experience there to um, to send us through to the next round which is fantastic and uh, as you say that uh, Jamie was absolutely right it was a lovely sound uh, off his head as he he finished that one
1: yeah I mean we're going to have some bit of a chat later on about uh, our own shouts for who's been Derby's best or most important player of the season so far but give it a couple more goals and I think Didzi is in that conversation you know like seven for the season I mean which maybe could be better but it's his general play and it's not a coincidence that so many people who commentate on Derby like point out how classy he looks on the ball at times and how just that level of quality slightly above those around him that he brings so maybe he's part of that as well
2: Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I think you're right. A couple more performances or a couple more goals. I think he should probably be in that mix because we just look completely different team going forward actually off the ball as well with a completely different team when he's on the pitch because he's just he presses so well I mean we've had quite a few strikers you know obviously Chris Martin's the obvious one James Collins now and a couple kind of uh, fl- flittering ones in between that have been good at holding the ball up and, and being back to goal and McGoldrick does that but in a very different way and he kind of pinches the ball off defenders and he and he often wins the ball from the defender when it's with back to goal when you he he think he's got no right to do it there's a couple of moments against Portsmouth in the first half where he was he was winning the ball against defenders kind of 50 50 loose balls which he just thought he had no right to do and and then he's got the awareness and the touch to take a touch make some space and pull someone else into the game so he's an absolutely quality number 10 he's one of the best number 10s i've seen in derby shirt for quite some time and he really delivers with the goals so i think you're right if he can just string a few more games together it feels like he's only just starting to get a real consistent run in the team in the last maybe few weeks because he has been a bit in and out when he started the season late but he's a huge player. He, he could he definitely be, by the time of the end of the season comes, if he stayed fit and in the team, he could definitely be a shout out player of the season if he continues this form.
1: It's great to watch him because um, he does have those real moments of quality, like dropping deep, Clever little turns, scoring goals, playing players in. But when he is like closing players down and running the channels, he, he mentioned in his post match that he turned 35 this week, and I think he does look every day of his 35 years when he is doing the doing the hard yards, if you know what I mean. But no, he's been quality. It's been a really good, uh, really good signing. But his goal, Tom, um as I said, put Derby in the hat for the third round proper. We've uh, been saved the embarrassment of not getting to the third round. Now we're in League One, which I think is uh, is a plus. And uh, that third round draw is the glamour tie of Barnsley at home, which has been drawn literally in the past couple of hours as we record. Obviously not the juiciest of ties, uh, given we've already played them and beaten them this season. But it's always, it always throws up that quandary, like do you want a winnable game in the FA Cup or a glamour tie. I mean, we've had sort of both this season. We've had the glamour tie. We've had Liverpool away, which was an amazing night for the five thousand who went, and one for the, you know, for the for the memories of, of supporting this club, but didn't get anything from it, albeit only just losing on penalties. Whereas Barnsley at home, a very ordinary fixture, but we win it. I looked, this, I looked this up earlier. The winners of every third round tie get hundred grand, and the winners of every fourth round tie get hundred twenty grand. So, you know, look, I know we're debt free as a club now. Money isn't really as much of an issue as it was anymore, but like, we're not going to turn down almost a quarter of a million quid for getting, for winning two more football matches, are we? Uh,
0: no, I guess not. You've put in a nice positive spin on that. And uh, then I just wonder how much a hundred grand is going to make a dent in our weekly wage bill. I don't know if it was, uh, as we're probably paying what I think is a maximum of eight grand we're allowed to pay. So, I mean, I've just been Devil's advocate there on that one. Um, no, it's a really boring tie. Come on, you can't you can't try and gloss over this one. That like it's just, it's a team in the same division as you. You've got through to the third round. You like the the bigger teams come in, and we've played Barnsley last season in the Championship. We've played them about three seasons in the Championship, and it's it's not even away from home, so you could take a decent following. It's just going to be a sort of dour 1-0 either way game Um, and hopefully we win it and go through into the fourth round I mean it would have been nice to have had a London club as uh, we've not been able to get to many games this season because of our respective children that have uh, recently been born Chris but um, obviously only been the Charlton game away from home in League One so it would have been nice to have had like I don't know Brentford or West Ham or or even maybe Gillingham and Dagenham and Redbridge—that would have been a, a good tie. But um, but yeah, it's the FA Cup third round. It's always going to throw up some interesting ties, and there's some some good-looking ones in there. Although I have to say, it's probably not the best draw, um, and we'll have to hopefully get through and then wait for the fourth round for something a bit more interesting for us.
2: I think we're probably just a bit jaded with with cup games at the moment as well. I mean, I, I completely agree. It's not it's not a glamour tie. It's a, it's a bit like in the championship when we, we we draw West Brom. It's like, oh come on, like we're probably not going to win, and it's and it's just kind of pointless when you're drawing against someone in your own league so i understand kind of tom's pessimism there and we obviously we'd like to have a, a london away game for ourselves but look we're going to be we've got i think five games in december all in all in the league um and maybe we'll feel a bit more ready for another cup game come january and in terms of maybe getting a, a bigger glamour fixture win the game against barnes then you've got a better chance of getting one so no no harm in getting a few extra few rounds of the cup in there yeah
1: and uh, the victory over newport came after, of course, the replay victory over Torquay at home, which we haven't really talked about since we last uh, spoke to you all. Uh, The 5-0 thumping, of course, pretty regulation stuff, really, apart from, you have to say, Lewis Dobbins' stonking volley in the second half. Very quickly, Tom, before we go into the second half, how does that volley compare for you in terms of the best volleys ever scored by a Derby player, at Pride Park. For me, it's top three. And in that top three is also, I would say, George Thorne against Brighton. And if you remember this one, uh, Ian Taylor against Watford in 2003. Those are my standouts. How about you?
0: George Thorne against Brighton came straight to me because I was in the uh, West End, pretty much in line with the the edge of the penalty area. And it was just, you saw the ball drop into him and the way he moved towards the ball and then hit it. Uh, And it just dipped perfectly and um we had a great view from that from the side from side on i uh, also quite liked uh, arturo Lupoli's back in uh, 2007 against colchester although i don't think it's anywhere near the same same level and i'd forgotten i have to say about ian taylor's um Taylor's volley, so that was a that's a good one. Um, can I put out Paul Pessi Salido in the uh, four two? It came off the Kenko Cup off Barry Roach, and then he volleyed that in. That's another great volley uh, at Pride Park. But um, yeah, again, probably not in the same same uh, world as Dobbin's. It's a fantastic technique and a great strike. Uh, as the cliche goes, I don't think two goalkeepers would have saved that.
2: What about uh, obviously Chris was going to say George Ford against Brighton because that gets into any any conversation about a good derby goal that Chris ever brings up that George Ford against Brighton <laughs> for some reason is in every Got, got list. no fresh material. Um, and also uh, Kenny Miller's was a half volley, was it? Or I mean, people can debate what half volleys and volleys are, right? But Kenny Miller's against Newcastle was that on that had bounced, right? That's not necessarily a half volley. I think it's still a volley. It's
1: not a half volley, but, yeah. um, but it's yeah, it's just about a volley. I'd say. I think. It, it was for about eighty-five yards. Yeah, out. Yeah, it was miles out. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 part of the that's part of the chat for sure. They're not better than George
2: falling against Brian. honestly. Well, no, no, of course not.
1: Uh, the only reason Tom, you don't remember Ian Taylor's, is because uh, highlights from that season are very scarce on YouTube, and the ones that do exist look like they've, they've been filmed on a potato. So um, it's uh,
2: it's. It, it, or, or, on fo- or on your or phone, on your phone, this week. Week, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. That was a bit of a that was a bit of a clang on my part, wasn't it? So yeah, some some great shouts in there. But yeah, third round here we come. But we're back to the league in Derby's next game against Shuffle Wednesday, and uh, we're going to chat a little bit more about uh, the season in general. Who's been uh, most impressive for us in this Derby team? Who who do we believe has been most important? Uh, but before we move on to that in uh, part two. Don't forget, of course, you can join SPW on Patreon this season to get more exclusive podcast content from us. You get an extra episode each month. You get a a welcome pack, which includes beer mats and SPW stickers and merch. Uh, You can join our Discord group. And uh, you also get to enjoy the incredible episode that is the Steve Bloomer's Washing Christmas Quiz, which will be our exclusive on Patreon for December. So if you're interested in all of that stuff and you fancy supporting the podcast going forward, then head over to patreon.com forward slash Steve Bloomer's Washing.
0: Derby 3-0 up. Good turn. Carsley breaks clear. Carsley cuts inside, will have a shot, and we will score! Four goals now for Derby, in a frenetic ending. No wonder they can't believe it on the bench. Nine goals in two matches now for Derby County. And another home win. Hi, I'm Paul Pesquisolido, and you're listening to Steve Bloomer's Washing. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, or hit follow on SoundCloud. How
1: was Pompey then, Kutch? Um, a, uh, fair play to you, heading all the way down to the South Coast on a Friday night, um, albeit from from the Southeast anyway. But uh, we've well, been before a few years ago, <laughs> I seem to remember, about a decade ago. But did, was it similar good memories for you down there?
2: Uh, I've got family down there. So I stayed with my cousin for the weekend. I ended up dragging him to the game as well. He's, he's not a... Pompey fan, he's actually a Spurs fan, but he, he's grown up in, in Portsmouth uh, Naval family, my side, my dad's side of the family. So yeah, I combined it with a family visit and you know, it was a nil-nil game. I thought it was a pretty entertaining nil-nil, to be honest. It was a real strange one because the first half I thought was Fairly even in the play, but Derby created much the better chances and probably should have been ahead. Do you think of James Collins had a great header of quite early on? The Goldrick hit the bar, that outstanding volley. And of course, Craig Forsyth somehow managed to conspire to miss uh, at the back post. And, and to be honest, my view was so bad in that game. We were literally about three rows from the front right behind The goal in in the derby end so when forsyth missed that chance i had absolutely no idea what what had happened until uh tom had told me after the game and I, i found some highlights to watch and in the second half derby just i thought lost all control of the game and for about 25 minutes i was convinced we were going to concede even though Pompey never actually opened us up at all. We couldn't seem to get a hold of the ball. We couldn't string two passes together. We were second to every 50-50. But then we finished the half, the second half, really strongly. And, and we probably should have won it again at the end of the second half. So Derby had much the better chances. I thought Cashin had a great chance right at the end. Louis Sibley was put through from, uh, I think it was from the Goldrick, after uh, a neatly worked corner. And probably should have done better getting his shot off. So yeah, I think it's a good point in the way at Pompey, but probably should have been free.
0: The thing I love the most about uh, that overview, which are uh, very well summed up, by the way, is that um, the Craig Forth- Forsyth chance, which you didn't really realise or remember, you actually filmed and sent over to us. And I'm pretty sure it's exactly <laughs> the chance that you didn't have a it clue was, what was yeah. happening. But I was like, it's literally there. You've just filmed it. But um, yeah, I thought Derby played well. It's a really good away performance. We looked solid at the back. Uh, Their shot on target, I think, came in the 92nd minute or something. It was outside the box and was comfortably smothered by Wildsmith. We created quite a few chances. Obviously, Dizzy almost scored a, an absolute worldie of a volley uh Cashin had a, a good chance which obviously wouldn't go down as a shot on target but he, he should well have scored eight nine yards out in the last minute so a good away point and on reflection you might think that derby could have uh could have gotten nicked uh three points but i think if you're drawing your away games at, at places like portsmouth and then you're winning your home games um you're going to be in a good position to be mounting a playoff charge and that's what derby looked like they're they're starting to piece together
2: yeah what i really liked about the performance actually in general was that I don't think we played brilliant like in open play. like We weren't cutting them open, but we did create chances. Like As we said, we had some really good chances. And if we do kind of put those performances together, we'll, we'll definitely win more than we lose away from home if we can play like that. Because Pompey Pompey didn't play great. They did get booed. There was booze in the, at the end of the full-time whistle. Um, and I think they'd be on a, not a great run at home. But they, they're, they're a good team. they got some decent players in there. And I just thought we made them look... We let them have the ball quite a lot, but they didn't really do anything with it. Um, it was a really odd game. Part of the game, I thought we were atrocious. But as I said, we, we created much to better chances, three or four really good chances. And yeah, I think it was very promising considering the month that squad had had and the amount of injuries in the squad. I just thought it was a, a very impressive uh, all-round performance, really.
1: Seems a good time at this point to take stock on the season so far then like we're what about 25 or so games if not a bit more in all competitions into the season I think I said at the start that we're like eight unbeaten I don't think I counted Liverpool game in the middle of that but anyway
2: yeah nine including we're on a a pretty good
1: run but yeah 19 in the league and A fair few games in the cup as well. And we sort of put it out there, like who has been your Derby County player of the season so far? And it's really interesting that almost all of the responses I got on Twitter, which was more than 50 people who actually replied, were all just one of the same three players, which is convenient for us as the three of us. Um, So it was Joe Wildsmith... Aaron Cashin and Nathaniel Mendez-Lang. I mean, I'll go first with Cashin, who I think has probably edged it for me. Like you look at how he's come into the side this season, may not necessarily have been first choice on paper when you look at who else we have in that squad, but cast your mind back to Blackpool away when he scored and like this time last season when he was still a, a relative unknown, really. I think he's definitely Derby's most improved player this season or over the last 12 months. And look, it's, it's so hard not to enjoy the way that he plays. Like he's like all action. He's committed. He's brave. He puts his body on the line, but he can play a bit as well. I mean i'm not going to go as far as i think so i saw someone him to dave mckay after his after his debut which i'm <laughs> steady on but look he's, he's got he's got something about him and we've said that we've said that on the pod before like he's got a decent touch he's got a bit of awareness he can pass the ball and he's he's got the raw physical attributes you want from a defender and he sort of leads by example in the way that he heads it and kicks it and uh and as i said throws himself in front of everything basically i'm not going to say that he's perfect he has made mistakes this season, like got sent off against Torquay, even got caught a bit, caught out a bit in the goal against uh, Newport, got caught out for Plymouth's, one of Plymouth's goals at Pride Park early this season. But, you know, look, which which of our players in our squad have been perfect? Because if they were, they wouldn't play in League One, would they? we said that all the time. But I think if you look at how, if you're talking about how players have developed, if you're talking about how players have been received by the fans, and if you're talking about the contributions they've made and how good they could become, I feel that cash-in has been the best of the bunch for me. But Kutch, you, uh, you've you got another name in the back line who's your show, haven't you?
2: Yeah, I think Joe Wildsmith. I just think he's he's been the constant. Cashin has also been a constant, I guess, apart from his suspension, but Joe Wildsmith's been an absolute constant. He seems to just be getting better and better the longer the season goes on. But I think one of the reasons between the unbeaten run in the last nine is the amount of clean sheets he's kept, including at Anfield, which was a fantastic goalkeeping performance, even at Newport on Sunday. He made a really good save from a one-on-one. I'm not sure if it was when it was one-nil down still or if it was at one-one. When he made that one-on-one save, really strong hand to, to palm it away from the players he was going through on goal. And he's commanding. Like I saw it at Pompey, he, he, he's starting to really come and and claim crosses and corners and and come out quite far and quite quite aggressive to come and get them. And he's seems to have got safe hands. And I think he's just seen. Probably the results of a goalkeeper who has always struggled to to pin down a number one spot or is maybe he's one of those those goalkeepers that comes in and then when the number one's back, he's just dropped out again and he's been given the number one shirt and I think he's relishing play under Paul well, Do you
1: remember, Kutch, how when we went to Stevenage in pre-season, how ropey he looks in that game
2: yeah i think i think to be honest i think the main criticism that people levy at him which i think is fair is his distribution isn't great and he's not that confident with his to ball at his feet and obviously under liam rosenia they he really wanted the goalkeeper and the backline to really be comfortable and play the ball at their feet and i do think that when goalkeepers who aren't comfortable doing that are asked to do it it does impact other parts of their game because they're probably overthinking and nervous in general because they're going to be asked to play more of their feet and that's just not their game. And I think maybe maybe the new Warren era has kind of simplified things for him. Warren has said in, in interviews since that he likes the goalkeepers to come out and be positive claiming crosses and, and Walsh has been doing that. So I think he's made, there's very few goals that have gone in when he's gone, mm, he could have done a bit better there. I there was one or two in the first couple of months of the season, but really over the last two or three months, he's, he's been faultless. I think he just gives the whole backline a lot of confidence. Yeah,
1: well, there's plenty of people who agreed with you on that one, Kutch. Uh, a few people on Twitter who uh, tweeted us at Steve Bloomer Pod. Um, Mark Smith, he said, uh, while Smith is player of the season by a mile, confidence breeds from the back for the rest of the team. They have one less thing to worry about, so can play with freedom. This results with high individual performances. And uh, Leighton McNamara said on Twitter, for me, it is Wildsmith. In preseason, he looks exactly like a keeper who hadn't played many minutes, but he's grown into the role perfectly and made some game changing saves. Tom, I can smell something. And I think it's the enormous humble pie that that you've presented in front of us as you give us your selection (laughs) for player of the season.
0: Uh, I don't know what you're talking about Chris I've always backed Nathaniel Mendes Lang I think he's a great player <laughs> come on spit it out <laughs> no, I, I, I did doubt him I did think that he wasn't the right signer I've said that a few times already uh, on the pod and I think I've, uh, I've, I've gone back on my word on it but I think he's he's really direct he's exciting to watch um, he's the sort of player that goes and does a step over and tries to beat a beat a player and it's, just, it's he's not the sort of person we've had at the club for a long time who would generally go with pace and also with a bit of skill and trickery to excite the crowd and he does he does need to be a bit more like damaging with his um with his crosses. I think sometimes he's a bit he overhits them or under hits them and can give the ball away, um especially early on in the season. But he's created chances for play, players and he's uh he's got assists for goals and he's also scored a few great goals as well. So um he's really come on uh this season and he's absolutely been a breath of fresh air. And it seems that like when when he's on fire, Derby are a real threat because uh there's lots of lots of things going on in front of him and I think Collins is a threat as a, a big guy up top and we haven't seen the best of him as you mentioned McGoldrick Goldrick as well as starting to chip him with goals and I think if Mendes Lang Sibley even um then you've got Harahan and uh, in behind like there's that's a dangerous front five that you're you're maybe talking about and there were there were more players in that who are threatening at Derby so um, yeah Mendes Lang has been been absolutely ex- excellent and I really hope that he con- keeps it up and I hope he continues to be as consistent as he had been over the first half of the season
1: yeah and Tom there's look there's a few that a few shouts that came in for uh, nml as well on Twitter, we had uh, at DCFC Stephen, who said, I would edge towards Mendes Lang. I think he's our most important player. The amount of work he puts in every game is quite something. Uh, funnily enough, he was the one summer signing I really wasn't sure about. At DCFC Stephen, is that your burner account, Tom? That sounds exactly what you said. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, at I've got
0: 90- <laughs> At Cosy nineteen
1: 1973, he said Mendes Lang by Country Mile works his knackers off every game. And uh, Kane Tag uh, said, "NML. Every time he's subbed, we miss his spark and an outball to give our slow defence a rest."
2: Yeah, I think my only comment about the Mendes Lang, uh, and I, I love him as well, is he won't win Player of the Season if he's played as a right wing back, and he shouldn't be played as a right wing back. If Paul Ward wants to play with right wing backs, he's got to find another another way to get Mendes Lang into that into that front line um, because he's completely wasted there. And I think you'll. I think I think Mendes Lang himself has said that he's struggled for consistency at previous clubs. And I think in the early part of his season, he was saying that he was re-enjoying it in Derby and he felt like he could be consistent here. I really think that ultimately, eventually, uh, we will kill off that enthusiasm and that consistency if he plays at, at right wing back. I think we've already seen that he can be dangerous from there, but he's had much more flittering in and out games because he's kind of stuck a bit too deep when he has played there. So I just hope that... We can play him in a in a four two four or in a four three three more more often than not this season or in a four two three one whatever just not please at right wing back because I do think it will be wasted he won't get he won't get play of the season playing there.
1: Time for something completely different now. Uh, no midweek game for Derby this week, so uh, we've got a bit more time to do something silly on the podcast, which we do pretty much every week anyway. But um, with we're going to circle back to the Newport game, which was uh, which we talked about in the first half. We've the theme for this week's quiz. So Richard Kutcher play that funky music. <laughs> oh, I've missed that. Yes, it is win, lose or <laughs> snore the Derby County results based guessing game. Uh, I'm in the chair this week and it's Kutch against Tom. Very simple. Five Derby games from yesteryear and whoever guesses the correct result a win, a loss or a snore in tribute to Derby's late 90s German left back wins the quiz. It's very, very easy when you think about it. So the theme, as I mentioned, Newport for you gents on this episode is Welsh away days. How do you feel about that?
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's going to be tough for me.
1: I mean, it's a relatively small pool, surely. So, you know, there's like, there's only about three teams I can really mention and three teams that I have mentioned. So laser laser focus, you know, focus in on the two teams that you can think of from Wales because chances are (laughs) it will be about one of them. Tom, are you ready? Uh, Absolutely. Kutch, are you ready? I'm guessing not, but let's do it anyway.
2: Yeah, well, notoriously bad at remembering anything, so let's see.
1: <laughs> okay, uh, results number one on Win Lose on Schnorr Welsh Away Days Special is Cardiff City away on August twenty fifth, two thousand and three. That's uh, Cardiff away in August two thousand and three. So, o three o four season in the early days there. That's question one. Question number two, Swansea City away. You can see the pattern here. April the 9th, 2022. That's Swansea away, April the 9th, 2022. So Swansea away last season. Uh, Question number three, I'm going to stick my neck out and say this will be a complete guess from both of you, but it is Wrexham away on April the 3rd, 1982. That classic. I'm sure you all remember it well. A league game or a cup game? That, but I'm pretty sure it was league in the um, old Division Two. Question number four: Cardiff again, Cardiff away on January thirty first, two thousand and fifteen. That's Cardiff away in January twenty fifteen, the fifth in the fourteen fifteen season. And finally, Swansea City away on February eighth, twenty twenty. Swansea away on february 8th 2020 have you both got five answers
2: yep all five are genuine guesses (laughs) uh yeah me too i could go either way with this i like it
1: it's wide open as these games should be so uh, our will go to you first kind of city away august twenty fifth, two 2003 win lose
0: or snore uh i went win i've gone snore
1: it was a loss So no (laughs) no points for both of you. Uh, It was Cardiff City 4, Derby County 1 in a game that I think was on Sky. because I watched it in a rubbish pub in Burton. And the goal scorers for Cardiff included Robert Earnshaw and James Collins. Not that one. Derby's goal scorer was uh, Matthias Svensson, who we tend to mention on this podcast from time to time. Uh, First meeting in 17 years, that game was for Derby Cardiff. So uh, 0-0. Swansea City away, April the 9th, 2022. Tom, win, lose or snore?
0: This is really bad. I'm Struggling to remember I got the right season, so I'm going to go loss.
2: Yeah, I went loss just because we lost so many games away from home that season, but it could have been a snore, but I've said loss. 2-1 maybe. The
1: result was Swansea 2, Derby County 1. It was indeed a loss, so a point each for both of you. I went to that one, made a four-hour journey to Swansea, and we are 2-0 down after 14 minutes. So question three, one or one apiece. Wrexham v derby in nineteen eighty-two. What are you thinking,
2: Kutch? Uh I just went for a schnorr because I thought I should put a schnorr there.
0: down. <laughs> Did exactly the same. I was uh, yeah, I went schnorr as well.
1: You'll be pleased to low it was Wrexham one, Derby County one. See so both really? got it right. Well yeah. done. In the old division two. So two apiece. Question four, Cardiff City away, January thirty-first, two thousand and fifteen. Tom, win, lose, or schnor? This
0: is, a, this is another tough one. Um, I'm going to go loss.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't win on this just because we it's before February and we were okay in this era. Oh, but Cardiff were also okay in this it's era. It's interesting.
1: The result was Cardiff City nil, Derby County two. So Kutch has pulled away yes. in front. That's nice one. Goals Good. from uh, Chrissy Martin. And to rub Salton to the wound, Tom, it... Uh, Derby's other goal was a Scott Malone own goal for Cardiff.
0: Oh, Incredible just, stuff. That doesn't surprise me at all.
1: <laughs> and finally, Kutch, 3-2 up with one to play. Swansea away on February 8th, 2020. Kutch, you go first.
2: Uh, I put a loss. I've got a win. Ooh.
1: The uh, result of this one was Swansea City 2-2. Derby County three. So Tom's equalized. Oh, it was, uh, yeah, where Tom Lawrence scored the winner uh, in one of the last, I think it's at the beginning of the five game winning run under Koku across lockdown um, between before and after behind closed doors. Gents, the tiebreaker. According to Google Route Planner, <laughs> <laughs> if you were to go by car from Derby to Cardiff, how many miles is that distance-wise? Kutch, you can go first. I'll give you a clue if it helps. You're going via the M42. That probably doesn't help, does it?
2: <laughs> um, this is embarrassing because it's now we're going to be so far off. Uh, good Lord. To Cardiff, you say, or Swansea?
1: Derby to Cardiff via the M42, and the journey takes two hours and 50 minutes in a car.
2: Hmm. I'll go 180 miles. 180
1: miles, is that your final answer?
0: Yeah. yeah. Tom? Uh, I was going to go 162.
1: 162. Well, according to uh, according to Google, the distance in miles from Derby to Cardiff in a car via the M42 is 153.1 miles. Oh, gross. So Tom's next. It a, a respectable guess from both of you. Did you just take the scenic route in a Tesla coach to find a charging point <laughs> on the route?
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I was baking in the extra miles to and from the service station. <laughs>
1: Well, in that case, well, I'll give you a, you know, we'll call it honorable draw, but uh, Tom has nicked that one. uh, So I enjoyed that. I I need to think of more distance based uh, tiebreakers, but we will return in a couple of weeks. If I can, if we can plan it around our various childcare arrangements when Darby have played Sheffield Wednesday and who we've got after that. Is it Forest Green after that? I can't even remember.
2: No, Wednesday, Burton Albion, Forest Green, Bolton, Cambridge. That's December.
1: You think we know these things, but uh, you know the husband woke up on, so that's our excuse. But uh, Richard Kutcher, thanks for joining us.
2: Yes, always good fun. Thank you very much,
1: Tom. I'll leave you to return to your respective childcare arrangements. Thanks, come on, man.
2: all the best.
1: See you soon.